Hello, friends in Christ. This is Pastor Alan Rose now. The theme for the message today in a word is loyalty. You know, one thing you may or may not know about me and my family is that we are big baseball fans. And particularly, we are very loyal Arizona Diamondbacks fans. Now, you may be chuckling as you hear me say that if you have any uh, awareness of this particular baseball season this year, you know that the Arizona Diamondbacks are having a very difficult season. There are 30 Major League Baseball teams, and the Arizona Diamondbacks are number 30 in terms of their win-loss record. As of today, as I'm recording this message, their record is 35 wins and 79 losses. It's been a brutal season. But nevertheless, we are loyal fans. We cheer for our Diamondbacks no matter what. It's just a way of demonstrating one kind of loyalty. Well, of course, in the big picture, baseball is just a game. Not really all that important compared to biblical matters. Today, I want to talk about a much more significant kind of loyalty. A loyalty that really has implications for our future, particularly for our eternal destiny. I want to talk about the loyalty that pertains to God's call to us to trust in Him above all things, to trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior above all things. To get into the topic today, I want to take a look at two loyalty stories from the Bible, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. The Old Testament story takes us back to the days of Joshua. Now, if you don't recall who Joshua was, he was essentially the successor to Moses. Joshua was among the Israelites who were enslaved in Egypt for all those years, and then God through the leadership of Moses, delivered the people out of slavery from Egypt, took them through dry land through the Red Sea, safely to the other side, drowned the Egyptian armies behind them, led them out into the wilderness, took them to Mount Sinai where God established his covenant relationship with his people, where he would be their God, they would be his people, all for the purpose of leading the people to the land that God had promised to give Abraham and his descendants centuries earlier, the land of Canaan. Well, Moses would not be allowed to enter into Canaan, but Joshua would be the one who would lead them there. And so, as the story goes, Joshua victoriously led the Israelites into the land of Canaan. They conquered the land. They settled the land. The 12 tribes were each apportioned a part of the land. And now we fast forward really to the end of the story of Joshua, near the end of the book of Joshua. Joshua is now a very old man. He is nearing his own death. By the way, when he died, he was 110 years old. But it's near the end of his life, and he has a final speech that he wants to give to the people of Israel. It's sort of a call to renew the covenant commitment that they had made with God at Mount Sinai. And it is a call to be loyal, loyal to the one true God. I want to read a portion of Joshua chapter 24 where we hear Joshua's words to the people of Israel 
calling them to be loyal. Chapter 24, starting at verse 14, it says, Joshua says, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. With those words, Joshua really does two things. He calls the people to be loyal. And then he also demonstrates and declares his own loyalty to the one true God. You see, in talking to the people, one of the things that Joshua had done is he recounted for them the history of all the things God had done for his people. He recounted for them how God had delivered them out of slavery, brought them through the wilderness, brought them to the land he had promised to Abraham, and now they were settled there. He reminded them of all the goodness of God. And now he says, remain loyal to this good God who has taken care of you all of these years. That's a good reminder to us as well to remain loyal to the God who has done good things for us as well. As we go through these two biblical stories of loyalty, we're going to draw some applications to our own life and wrap up this message with some personal applications. Well, after Joshua issues this call to loyalty, the people responded. Here's what they said. The people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God Himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because He is our God." There, at least in that moment, the people declared their loyalty to the one true God. They said they would give up their idols that uh, had tempted them to stray away from the true God. They declared their loyalty to Yahweh, the personal name of God, which in the English translation of the Bible appears as the word Lord all in capitals. Yahweh, the personal name of God. That is the one to whom we will be loyal, the people said. It really is a story that challenges us to think, what is our one true loyalty? What is most important in our life? And are there any gods, so to speak, that are infringing upon our loyalties, tempting us away from the one thing that truly matters, trusting in God Himself. Well, I want to transition now to the second Bible story that takes us into the New Testament, to the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter. It comes at a time in Jesus' ministry when He is addressing a fairly large crowd of people. And in this crowd of people, 
there are skeptics, there are some of the religious leaders of the day, but there are also some of Jesus' own followers, including his original 12 disciples. But Jesus says a rather difficult word to this crowd, and it challenges their loyalty toward him. Listen to what he says. In John chapter 6, beginning at verse 51, Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Wow, those were some difficult words for the people to absorb and to accept. How can we eat his flesh and drink his blood? What does he mean by that? And of course, let's not jump too quickly to Holy Communion here, because this is long before Jesus instituted his Holy Supper, although he may have had those thoughts in mind when he said these words. But when he says, I am the bread and you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, he's saying, I am the one thing you need to enter into the kingdom of God. I am the sacrifice for the sins of all people. And saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood is his way of saying, put your loyalty and your trust in me alone as your savior. Now, the people didn't quite get it at the beginning. And we continue with the story. It says in verse 60, On hearing this, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? And then later in the story, it says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They deserted him. Then he asked this question of his twelve. You do not want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter, on behalf of the other twelve, declares his loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, to whom else should we go? Who would we go to? You alone have the words that give eternal life. We believe and trust in you. Because it's a great statement of loyalty. Well, you know, when you and I examine our own lives, we're really not all that different from the people of antiquity. I think we deal with some of the same temptations that they did. People, for example, were tempted to follow other gods. Now, in those days and in, in the Old Testament times, they actually bowed down and worshiped to man-made idols. 
Well, we may not do that very thing today, but you know, as people, we still have our idols. We still have our false gods. Martin Luther said, that to which you look for your highest good, that is your God. In other words, whatever you consider most important in your life, that is your God. So let me ask you, what is most important to you? To what are you most loyal? That is your God. And we are tempted in a variety of ways in our day and age to to allow the other gods around us to draw us away from our loyalties to the one true God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one who made us, the one who redeemed us, the one who made us his own. Yeah, we're distracted by the things of this world, the, the luxuries and pleasures that would draw our loyalties away from what should be number one in our life. What are those temptations for you? Maybe it's time to lay it all down. Maybe it's time to admit that, to confess that to God, and then to hear him say, in Christ you are forgiven. You know, another temptation, of course, is to do what some of Jesus' followers did, and that is to desert him when life gets hard. And life does get hard, even for us who are followers of Jesus. Maybe it's being ridiculed for our faith in Christ or persecuted in some other, even more harsh ways. Or maybe just it's just experiencing the difficulties and challenges of daily living. And we are tempted to give up on God and his love for us. We're tempted to say, ah, oh, how could there be a loving God with all of this that I see going on and all that I'm experiencing? Our Lord Jesus would call us to loyalty, loyalty to him. He asked Peter that loyalty question, and maybe he's asking that question of you and me today. You do not want to leave too, do you? How do you answer that question? You know, when following Jesus gets difficult, the question is, will you remain loyal? Will you say along with Peter, Lord, to whom else should we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Well, remaining loyal is not necessarily easy, but here are two insights that I think we can take away from these two stories that might help us in our determination to remain loyal to the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. First of all, when life gets difficult, remind yourself of all that God has done for you. That's what Joshua did for the people of Israel. He reminded them of all that God had done for them. When you are having your struggles, your doubts, your temptations to follow other gods, Remind yourself of all that God has done for you. And that starts, of course, at the cross. The cross where your Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life for you, shed his blood to forgive all your sins, all your doubts, all your times of wandering and straying away from him. 
consider the love of God for you in giving up his son that you might have life everlasting. What can top that? And then God raised Jesus from the dead to assure you that you too will be raised from the dead. You too will be given a physical, eternal life in heaven with him forever. And that brings us to the second reminder. When life gets difficult, how do you remain loyal? Have in front of your mind's eye every day the vision of the promised land that is awaiting you. Yes, the promised land of Canaan was awaiting the Israelites, but there's a far greater land promised to you and me who trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We have nothing less than heaven itself awaiting us. And, and while we can't fully describe what heaven is like, we do get some glimpses of heaven in the scriptures where it describes that it is a place where there is no more pain, sorrow, death, anger, sin, disappointment, frustration, where life is absolutely perfect, and not just for a short time, but for all the rest of eternity. This is what God has provided to you and to me through faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior. So friends, when you are tempted to desert Jesus, when you're tempted to follow other gods, Remind yourself of what God has done for you in Christ. And then keep in, in front of you the vision of heaven. It's all for you. May God bless you and empower you to remain loyal to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.